0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Good morning, everyone. Let's um tell you what he just uh, said, what the lessons was going to be about in... I guess if there's one lesson that I've been looking forward to, this is it. Um, of course, it doesn't matter to me what the lesson is about. Um, I enjoy it just because it's in the Bible and what we're learning about. But it is the genesis of grace families. And no matter what, we're speaking about who it is. I promise you today, you can find yourself in this lesson and it gives us hope. And what it does not do is give us a license. to like, well, look what they did and they got by with it. But what it does do is give us hope. That because of what has happened to us, the wounds and the scars that we have, God will give us grace to deal with it. And I thank him for it because I want us to, let's pray one more time. I know this word is already anointed. What I want him to do is anoint our minds that we can receive and retain what will be uh share uh, share today. So let's pray. God of heaven we love you. We thank you. We thank you most of all for your word. So I ask you right now to touch our minds, our hearts Lord God. We thank you for the capability we have Lord God to share this word. So touch us Lord God I pray. Anoint us Lord God. Strengthen us each and every one. Touch our Sunday school in the back God I pray. Father we need you God. We can't do this on our own. We need your anointing and guidance God. Direct us I pray. Guard our thoughts Lord God. Let us reign them in Lord God that we may hear and understand this word and retain it in our heart and we will thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ okay Um, first let me say to my wife my mother and sister board and to all the ladies happy Mother's Day and may God richly bless you for it now believe it or not I have a lot I want to say and I know you're thinking it's just because it's in the book of Genesis but it's not I really 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 I've looked forward to this lesson, and just because it gives me hope, because I can go to the Old Testament and find an example of someone that I can learn from, so what I want to do is just read Genesis 16, and where we'll start is Genesis 16, 1 through 5, and this is just what I'm going to do, instead of saying Sarai and Abram, I'm just going to drop that, I'm going to say Sarah. And Abraham, so you'll know what I'm saying. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid, that 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 it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. And Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. And he gave her to her husband, um, to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. I have given thee my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. Now... That is where our lesson takes place what I want to do and I'm going to go through this quick but I ask you just just stay with me In Genesis in the beginning where he said that, that we're going to speak of Adam and Eve this I, all I want to do here is just make mention of them In Genesis in the beginning we know man is formed the law if you read it in the way it is written the law is explained to Adam not to Eve this is my what I believe, but I believe the Bible backs this up. The law is explained to Adam, the do's and don'ts. Now, Eve is made from the side of Adam. A rib is taken out. She is made. God tells Adam, you are to cleave unto your wife. When you look up cleave, it literally means to glue yourself to your wife. So God told him, glue yourself to your wife. Now, in three, in chapter three, is where it all starts to go wrong. So God is telling, or um, the serpent is starting to have a conversation with Eve. Now, Eve is the one that said, she don't even call the tree by its name. She just said the tree in the midst of the garden. She didn't even call it by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She just said there's a tree in the midst of the garden that God said that we shouldn't eat of it. And then she added, neither shall you touch it. Now, what she did is what we should never do is apply human reasoning to doctrine i tell you, doctrine is literally going to be the thing that saves us or condemns us. So I don't know in her mind, and this I'm just presenting as hypothetical. I don't know if she just said, you know, to eat it, I have to touch it and then eat it. I don't know. That doesn't matter. God says you do not eat of it. So then she quotes to the serpent, neither shall you eat it, neither shall you touch it. And I'm telling you right now, if the enemy knows one thing, it's God's word. So I believe that as soon as this happened, he got Eve close enough to the tree, and next thing you know, he's got Eve touching the tree, and he says, look at there, you're touching the tree and nothing has happened. So therefore, that's where it starts going wrong. She applies this, we must know this doctrine. That's why we're preached to, it can't be Brother Boyd's religion or Brother Boyd's doctrine. We must know this scripture as thus saith the Lord. We must know what we believe because just a little human reasoning the wrong way condemned the whole human race. And we say, it can't be that bad. Yes, it can. Our life literally depends on knowing this scripture as it is written and the interpretation of that meaning. So she takes, she does this, and then what is so wrong when you read this The Bible says, and she took of the fruit and ate and gave to her husband with her. And that's what's so sad. She gave to her husband with her. Now, how did Eve know the doctrine? I personally believe that it was up to Adam to teach his wife the doctrine. That's me. You don't have to jump on with that. I believe that Adam was the one to teach Eve the doctrine. So if he stood there and let her have a conversation with the enemy, misquote God's doctrine and then stand her and watch her take the fruit and eat it and then God says what was you doing and it wasn't me it was the woman that you gave me. So literally right from the beginning the bond is broke. So God said you glue yourself to your wife and right from the beginning. Now you've got to understand my point in this. This is not just throwing dirt on everything. This is saying this is literally what happened and this is seeing the grace that was given to them to get through all of that. And this is why we know that it happened. So, but, if there's one thing we can take from the book of Genesis, is from the beginning of time, There is no situation that you'll ever find yourself in that God will walk away from. God has proven Himself faithful. You won't get in no situation where you say, God, where are you at? It's just gonna be like God talking to Adam. Where are you at? You hadn't contaminated the whole human race and God is saying, where are you at? So God in his grace, in his grace did this. So now... He takes, and then, let's go, Adam, or or, or we'll go back to um, Abraham, really, Abraham and Sarah. They left, and I don't like to hold a mic, so you'll just have to forgive me. I was going to do this with two hands, but I can't. So, I want you to visually get this, and I'm going to have to try to be as quick as I can for time restraints, but he just tells God appears to him, and there's really like two calls. We pick it up in the 12th chapter of um, Genesis, and we think that Abraham's fixing to leave. No, Abraham had already left by then. A lot had happened at this time, and then he takes Sarah, and it's like, where are we going? And he says, you know, I don't really know. uh, You know, uh, me and Sister Rayleigh's been married almost 39 years, and I tell her, God has called me to... You know, I just have to get back with you on that. I don't know where God has called me, but He's called me to go. We're selling everything we've got and we're leaving. But His beloved Sarah says, Okay, I'll go with you. We're taking everything we owned and to put it in real life terms. This is where Abraham's at. Okay, follow me here. He goes up here to Haran. Okay, from here. To here is 300 miles. And they're not on the express. They're foot traffic. Here to here is 300 miles. Okay, from here to here is another 200 miles to Canaan. So he's went a long ways. Okay, you're asking, why didn't he just go straight across here? Well, you have to ask Abraham about that. But it was the Arabian desert across here but we know he went from here to Haran and from Haran to Canaan. So we pick it up. He's there. He's taken. And then I wanna read, I didn't give him this verse, but I want you to just follow along with me. The Bible says in the, in the book of Genesis that the Lord appeared unto Abraham. Okay, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed, and this is literally what it's all about with Abraham. Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord whom had appeared unto him. Okay, there is a couple first that happened with Abraham. This is the first time in scripture I know we have um, Adam that the Lord talked with. I know we have Noah that the Lord talked with, but this is the first time in scripture where the Bible just plainly spells it out and the Lord appeared to someone. Here Abraham sits and looks in the eyes of Jehovah God himself and the Lord appeared unto Abraham. So he takes, appeared for the first time. So what does Abraham do? He built an altar. So, what I think we should take from this, and the Bible says that Abraham built an altar because of the Lord appearing to him. Now, two things I think we can take from this, that we can adopt here today of what they did then. You can read: when they built an altar, one thing they did, the the old old time prophets, when they built the first thing was done was to hallow the ground. When they met with God, that ground was hallowed. Just as you, you read it, when, when God did it with Moses, that's why he told him, take off your shoes. You ain't standing on regular ground. When my presence is involved, the ground is made hallowed. It is holy unto me. So he hallowed the ground there. The second thing he did was it was a form of taking possession of the land. So he did that. So he took, and I believe that's what we can do. When we go, and that, that's why we can pray anywhere but you should have a designated place, this church is my second altar, but you should have a regular place at home where you pray A desig- it could be anything, but it should be a designated place so when you go there, the first thing that you do, the ground is holy, it is holy unto the Lord, the second thing you do, is you um, you take possession of that dwelling, it is your home, you're letting the enemy know, this is my house and I have took possession of it through the name of Jesus Christ God has took he's given me the authority through his name that the Bible says we have a devil he the prince in the power of the air greater is he that's in me where of the world where do we live in the world so we're fighting a real enemy so we can gain that for him building the altar there and there's a, a, a verse that we that we always hear and it's it's always quoted. So let me let me just read it to you, and let me see. Let me read it, and you tell me if you think it's correct. And the angels of the Lord encampeth about round about them that fear Him and delivereth him. Does that sound correct to you? I'm not trying to throw a, a curveball. And the angels of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him and delivereth them. That is actually a misquote. Did some of y'all get that? Y'all know that that's a misquote. But that's the way we are. We we take the Eve effect. The angels. It is not angels. It's angel. And I'm not trying to clip nobody's wings. If it's angels, we we try to help God out. That's why we have to take the word as it's written. It ain't like a we have took. We've built an altar. We've given ourselves. We've hallowed the ground. We've took possession of it. And now God looks at a couple of buddies and says. Y'all go down there and just watch out for them, for their dwelling. No. God has designated an angel of the Lord to protect you and your dwelling. It ain't just somebody gonna show up at random. The angel of the Lord encampeth. Encampeth means he pitches his tent Wherever you dwell, guess what? That's where the angel of the Lord is going to dwell. So he took, and he does this. This is what Abraham does. He did this. Now, I can't be here. I want to tell you one thing that I heard, and, and, and this is off uh, um, off a little bit concerning, but I heard a story of a man that he, he was homeschooled till he was in the sixth grade, and at sixth grade, um, whatever age that would be, he... He starts public school as a young boy and he was exposed to something um, and turned into an addiction. It was a Christian, Christian home. And this young boy, he just, he fought this addiction all his life. He stayed in church, grew up and married. And he said it got to be such a weight. I've never heard this comparison. Got to be such a weight on him that he just said he finally went to his wife and told her, said, this thing is literally crushing me. I can't carry this weight anymore. Confessed to his wife, went to his pastor. Some, some of the other men, the, uh, the people that would be appropriate, went to the men, confessed what it was, how long it had been going on. But what he said next, he said he went to his home, to his altar, and he went in there And he physically took that weight and he said he put it on his altar. And he said, by the grace of God, that weight became a stone on my altar. He said, no longer would this weight just push me down. He said, God has given me the grace to get this off of me. And he said, I made a stone where the old timers would gather stones to build an altar. And I made a stone in the home where I had made an altar. So God had give us the strength to do this and the grace. That's why we need a designated place because God had protect us. And the Bible says, and delivereth them. We give ourselves to them. Now, when Abraham had come out, and he takes and he's leaving. One thing he does. Abraham, if you don't think God can use anybody. Abraham, at the 12th chapter, he goes down. Literally, you read it in the Bible. It says he went down to Egypt. I believe this is where Hagar was acquired. There's a famine in the land. He goes down to Egypt. And then he tells Sarah at this time, in early, early in the, the population, Sarah literally was his half-sister. So you talking about throwing Sarah under the bus. He goes and tells Sarah, he says, we're going to Egypt. Apparently Sarah was a beautiful woman. He says, if they know that you're my wife, they will literally kill you, or excuse me, kill me and take you. So you have to tell them you're my sister. I guess, and so he puts it on Sarah. You know, all of this is going to happen, and you've got to do this. So all the weight is put on Sarah. So, God took, and the Bible says, plagued Pharaoh with plagues. Plague is to strike. other words, and Pharaoh came to Abraham and basically said, you read it, you can take your wife and leave. She's not your sister. Abraham didn't tell him that. God told him that. So God can use anyone to get the message across. Early in this, before we even get to the 16th chapter, God is telling Abraham, Sarah is your wife. You take your wife and you can leave. So now he takes, we go back to the 16th chapter. Now Abraham and Sarah, they're just flesh and blood. God gives him a promise. He leaves They go out, they've been there. By this time, it's been 10 years, they're dwelling. He struggled naturally with patience. Who wouldn't? I know I would. In fact, I can't even come close to imagine myself leaving. Literally, to take all of your possessions, your household, and to leave, and to travel that far, not even knowing where you went. He struggled with the commitment that he had made. The story, when you read it in Hebrews, the writer does not even mention this. It's not even mentioned that Hebrew that, that Abraham and Sarah struggle. It's just like God said, you know what? I want you to leave. And Abraham just said, you got it, God. We're gone. No, that wasn't the case. They was just like every other human that's ever been produced on planet earth. They struggle with what God asked them to do. But we know them on the other side of it. So they're taken and they leave. And so he he tells them that you've got to go. And so they believed. They believed for the impossible. They believed for the miraculous. But their unbelief challenged them. Now, when God first spoke to Abraham, everything's fine. But here it is, we're human. When weeks turns into months, months into years... Years into more years, you know, they think, God, where are you at? You know, how long am I supposed to believe this? You know, time marches on. You know, we think, you think, know, I don't know if, if Abraham would be a, a day counter like I would be, you know, like, God, I'm running out of X's. You know, I don't know how many more pencils I can get along the way. There ain't no stores, you know. So he's taking, and so, rather than being strong in a, in a season of waiting, Sarah caved, She told Abraham to take her servant Hagar and have a son with her, so she did, or so he did. This is not what God said. You don't even have to stop there and even reason that. This is not God's plan. It was not to be God's plan, but Abraham and Sarah, they had committed this failure. Grace was displayed, and this is what happened, so We take and we look that in Genesis where we read or where we started. Y'all have to pardon me. I'm used to a table. (laughs) So where he took and where she is telling him to go take my handmaid Hagar. In 16.2 it says and Sarah... Genesis 16, two, and Sarah said unto Abraham, behold now, the Lord has restrained me from um, bearing, I pray thee, go into my maid, that it may be that I may obtain children by her, and Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Now, where she says that I may obtain children by her, where was Abraham? That means that I may be built by her. She was to be billed, but it was to be by God. It was not to be through Hagar. Where was Abraham? Abraham agreed to go along with this. And so, God is not going to fulfill that covenant. And we know that he didn't. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her, her husband Abraham, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now we know that we don't really have a whole lot of what Eve said. Of regarding what had happened with Adam but we have a little bit here Sarah didn't take it too easy so we read in, in 16 5 and Sarah said unto Abraham my wrong be upon thee I have given thee my maid into thy bosom and when she saw that she had conceived I was despised in her eyes the, Lord's, the Lord judged between me and thee now Abraham could have stopped this. He could have told Sarah, he says, you know what? Back before, years before, God looked me in the eyes and said, I'm going to build a pure empire through you. (laughs) And Sarah, you know, I'm sure she was just, at the point of screen of it. I did the unthinkable I did what no woman in her right mind would do I don't know for whatever reason trying to help this covenant or trying to help Abraham or so much love or ever how you would want to phrase it it could not be done Abraham should have told her should have had the wisdom to tell her We are not going to take a substitute from the world and expect God to make a covenant with it because it is not going to happen and it never will. So he allowed himself to be persuaded by what his wife had asked him to do and he did that and he followed through with it and he just couldn't and that's why that she said, that's why one of the things I believe she said In the end of the fifth verse. When she says. The Lord judge. Between. Abraham. That bond has been broke. That's why God has got to judge. Between me. And thee. Because that closeness. That togetherness. Is no longer there. You could have stopped this. You could have prevented this. But yet you did not. So therefore. My wrong be upon thee. So now, do you think I'm being too hard on Abraham? Who did God place the responsibility on? You look out for her. You cleave unto her. You glue yourself to her. And in a moment, her weakness. I don't know the reason, but this I do know. It was not Sarah that looked in the eyes of Jehovah. It was Abraham. And in a moment of weakness, he should have comforted his wife and said, we're not taking a substitute from the world and expect our God to make a covenant with him. But they did. And regardless, regardless, God gave grace even through it all. And really, us, we come to church, no matter what we're going through, We all try to project everything is fine, everything's going on. It's true. We just want to believe everything is okay. It's just likely at times we're believing in God that even at times that we, we have unbelief within ourselves. I mean, we're just human. We're just flesh and blood. I mean, we have times of doubt even among our own selves and in our families. It is just... We say, I'm trusting in God. I'm believing in God. Decisions must be made. Just like in the time of every other decision in this Bible, in critical times of our life, when God has said something to you, promised something to you, and you hadn't seen a thing, we still have to make the right decision. And at times, just like Eve, if we let human reason get involved in it, it may seem right, but if it's contrary to this, it's not right. It's not right. But we want to believe. Admitting our struggle, however, doesn't make us any less of a Christian. If we're struggling with something and we say, you know, I'm really having a hard time, doesn't make us weak. It makes us a real person, a real Christian. Life is real. Decisions has got to be made. It's not easy. Life is difficult. There are going to be issues and travel and things to go through. When we learn of these characters, it doesn't make them our level of confidence go down any less of them. We appreciate them more because it's always not a level of, of uh, such high superiority that we're thinking we're trying to attain to. That we see somebody who is just like us, that has went through hardships, has scars, knows that life has hit them rough just like everybody else and that we have to be aware that if we get to places where we do get discouraged and we do let our unbelief attack us and really get more, that we have to be aware because just like in Abraham and Sarah's case, I believe one thing it tells us when life does go wrong with us and we make the wrong decision, you can't walk away from it. Because another first in this Bible, another first, the first time the word angel is mentioned, who do you think it's, unless you know it, who do you think it's mentioned to? It's mentioned to Hagar. That's the very first time the word angel. When Abraham probably just, this is right after Abraham tells Sarah, you know, he's got egg all over his face and he's over there probably with his arm around Sarah and said, I tell you what, you know, you just do whatever you want to Hagar. Or What do you think she's going to do? She drop kicks her out of the house. She leaves and she's crying. And who hears her? God hears her. He sends a ministering angel unto her. That's the first time that we see angel in the Bible. He has sent To Hagar. And I believe that teaches us when we do wrong, what does the angel tell her? To go back. When we do wrong, and we, in other words, when we reap what we have sown, not to leave it. We deal with it. We have to. Now, Abraham packed up, left his stuff, traveled to places he had never been without any prior direction or where he should specifically go. He was a great man of faith. As Abraham was, as a great man of faith that he was, he made many mistakes. Yes, he made mistakes. But the root cause of the mistakes that Abraham made was simply a lack of faith. And does that make him less of a person? No, that literally makes him human. Because do you think God came down and met with him every day? No, he didn't. He didn't it rained on him just like everybody else just like everybody else but we see this woman Sarah his beloved wife so she takes and she has the lord tells her she's going to have a child and she finds it so humorous that she just literally laughs and so i don't think the lord was too happy with that but you know if you're if you're a woman and you're past the childbearing age, and someone tells you you're going to have a child, what would your response be? But Abraham and Sarah both, a lot of times we mention Sarah in this case, that Sarah doubted, but Abraham and Sarah both doubted because literally, and I believe... You know, God does this like on purpose to just let let us know that there's no physically way this could happen without me. That I am the one. I am the one that produced this. I am the one. Now, Abraham and Sarah both was impatient. Yet, God said they was going to have a promised child. In fact. It had been promised for a long time, a long time. But it was God is the one that had said it. It was not He was not no ordinary God. And one thing that I didn't say about Abraham, when you read of the land that Abraham was in, it was a land full of idolatry. They believe all kinds of sorts of things. So for Abraham, it is. A, I'm telling you, there's no way I can appreciate the fact. When the true God told Abraham to leave, and he left. You know what was it in him when he come from a land full of idolatry, and then he projects a faith so strong, he is led to believe that there's many gods, and Jehovah tells him, "I want you to leave." That's <laughs> like the old joke I just said. Where are you going? Well, I don't know, and he leaves. That is truly remarkable to me. The decision they they made regarding Hagar was not born out of a spiritual encounter. It was just just born out of being impatient. God, I believe you, and it looks like I'm going to just give you a little bit of help, but it turned out to be the wrong kind of help. God's plan for Abraham and Sarah, they would have a child, but it would not come through Hagar the decisions we knew that we have, they one thing about it, they always gonna be a consequence to it. It will have a consequence. They reap their they reaped the end of this. We know that they took their failure as we see, as we read in scripture of what Ishmael, the all the making fun of Isaac that he did and just the hardship that was placed upon them because of it. Now, their mistake resulted in opposition against the promised child. Isaac, the promised child, did carry a lot of the blunt end of this that happened. But Abraham and Sarah also believed when it made no sense to believe And what I believe that means, as within myself, there's no way I can produce this child. I can't do it. And I believe at times, this is the only way I know how to say this. I believe at times God will promise us something. That there's no given ability in us to produce it. That we'll know if this is done, it won't be me. It will be God himself alone. And that's what I believe this phrase means. That literally when it made no sense to believe. That uh, someone could look at if we had Abraham and Sarah at the time that Isaac was born. And they were standing there. And you put them up and he said this couple just had a child. No one would believe you. No one. Because they was well past the age. But God said, they will have this child. And they did have this child. She was old, well past the age to bear the child. Yet despite all the impossibilities, God said, you will have this child. And they did have that child. Now, they gave birth. Sarah gave birth to the promise of God. And then she did have that been promised. Think about it. 25 years. 25 years, that's a long time. That's a long time. You know, if we wait, or I'll leave you out, if I wait 25 days, you know, it's like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) But 25 years, 25 years. It's not that when we read in Hebrews that Abraham and Sarah never made a mistake. It's because of grace was given to them because of their mistakes. They are human. They made mistakes. God extended his grace. And they got through it. He enabled them to lay out a hold of the promise. Grace made the difference. Yes, they had lack of belief. Welcome to the human race. And they both received grace. This, like I said, this should be a comfort to us. We are not perfect. We're not immune to making mistakes. We often stumble and we often fall. But we have the ability, we have the chance and the time to ask God to forgive us. We can pray. We can pray here. We can go to our altar at home and ask God to touch us and strengthen us. And God gives us grace. We struggle with unbelief at times. We do make mistakes And it does impact our families. It's a sad reality. But during those times, if we don't give up, God is not going to give up. And we know that time and time again, God's grace will be extended to us. We might be knocked down, but we don't have to stay down. But that doesn't have to be the end of our story. Grace has the final say, and grace tells the end of the story. Now, I want to conclude with this. I'll use this as this I said was the, I'll call this the beginning. And listen, listen to the reading. This is where he made his altar. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now, I want to read one more verse. And if I think I, I'll give it to them, they can put it on the screen. Look with me in the book of Acts, 7th chapter, in Acts 7, and let's, let's read um, Acts 7, and let's start at verse 3. That verse I just read, um, we'll call it the beginning, I'll refer to this as the end, Acts 7 and 3. This is Stephen. This message here is what got him killed. But the Bible refers to him as a man full of the Holy Ghost. So this is his message. And he said unto him, he's speaking of Father Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land that I will show thee. Verse 4. And he came out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell, meaning Canaan. Okay, verse 5. Now I want you to pay attention to verse 5. And he gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for possession and to his seed after him. When he had yet had no child. But what I want you to look. And he gave him no, none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. It was never about God giving the land to Abraham. God said, I need a man and a woman that can leave their home. That don't even know where they're going. And will never ever have a home again. Because you read... When Sarah died, Abraham had to buy the land to have her buried. And Stephen told him that God said, Not so much as even to set us foot on. Abraham, what he'd done was done for his seed after him. It was never promised to Abraham. It was always promised to the seed after him. That is the faith. That is why Abraham is called the father of the faithful it was never about abraham and sarah though we speak of them a lot but abraham and sarah did this that is why abraham and sarah when you read this is what's astounding to me it is the writers when they spoke of sarah but she was barren but she was barren but look at the end abraham and sarah had one child one child whose name was Isaac. And the world benefited from it. The world benefited from it. Now, Sarah was 127 years old at the time of her death. She is the only woman in Scripture that the Bible records her age, death, and burial in Scripture. No other woman is mentioned like that. Only Sarah. Now, He is called the father of the faithful. But it all came through the life of Sarah. So I say unto you, he is the father of the faithful. But Sarah was the living part that made it all possible. So happy Mother's Day and God bless you.